What is attachment style and why can it be one of the biggest hindrances to people achieving their goals and finding happiness in relationships? Today, I'm talking with New York City psychotherapist and author Mark Scholes, who helps other people get healthy, tidy up their world and straighten out their lives. If you'd like to find out more about how to improve your relationship, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where you can also take our free online conflict style quiz and discover your conflict style in your relationships and how you can change it. Great. So uh, welcome to today's podcast. And today we're really happy to be speaking with, um, with Mark Scholz. Uh, Mark's a New York City psychotherapist with over 35 years of experience helping people to get healthy, tidy up their world and straighten out their lives. He's also author of the popular book, Reset Your Romantic GPS, Why You Steer Towards the Wrong Partners and How to Change for the Better, which explains the idea of attachment style, a psychological force we develop in early childhood and how it influences every emotional choice and decision that we make. Um, welcome, Mark. It's, it's really lovely to have you here today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, and of course, we are always delighted to hear uh, colleagues in the field talk about attachment styles. So mm -hmm. it'd be really, uh, really, really interesting, uh, Mark, just to, to tell us a little bit more about the premise of your book. And you, you mentioned, you talked about GPS and in, in what ways do attachment styles navigate us through the world? Yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> attachment styles are really fascinating, um, you know, well-studied uh, theory. And, you know, uh, it really says by about 18 months or about two years, we've learned a, a relational language, mm -hmm. how we uh, connect with the other and um, what that experience is like. And there's uh, secure attachments and there's really it's insecure attachments. And there are different kinds, but basically I focus on both the secure and the insecure. And of course, a secure attachment is growing up in a, a parental milieu where you're where the infant and child's needs are are met on a relative consistent basis. Mm -hmm. Dysregulation, gas, you know, um, uh, intimacy needs, um, diaper changes, eye contact, you know, over uh, thousands and thousands of these relational moments. There's a, the child internalizes a sense that there is that the world is responsive to my needs. My needs are obviously okay enough, and somebody's watching over them and comforting them. And that gets internalized. And then one goes out into the world with that kind of that buoyant life jacket, that sense that you know they're going to be okay. They can anticipate that the world, that they're going to be able to kind of get through the obstacles in the world without having to feel too, too anxious. Mm. And an insecure attachment is just the opposite. An insecure attachment is when those needs of um, the need for regulation and comfort and um, intimacy and um, eye contact are, are, are met very inconsistently or not at all. And the child, it's up to the child to figure out how to stay connected to the parent, how to, um, what it is that's expected of them. And they also internalize a sense that their needs, because they're not being responded to, there must be something not okay about them. Mm. 
And so very um, kind of tragic thing happens where they don't get to internalize that sense of kind of buoyancy inside of themselves. Their security um, exists outside of them. It's up to them to figure out what the parent needs in order to regulate the parent or not to dysregulate the parent. And so security exists outside, mm. not inside. Mm. And that is a very different ball game. And um, of course, um, uh, you know, uh, insecure attached people become extremely empathic. Um, that's one of the benefits, but um, it's very hard for them to trust that um, their needs are acceptable and um, and not shameful. Mm. Absolutely, and that's this a long, is a long way of uh, no, explaining. It's wonderful. Thank you. It's really helpful um, for for our listeners to to just have an overview. Uh, again, of attachment styles. And of course, the million dollar question always when we talk about attachment styles is how, why does it still matter? You know, why does it still matter now in my relationships? You know, what what might I struggle with if I have an anxious attachment, for example? Yeah, um, well, I mean, it's it, 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 it matters a lot. Yes. Um, <laughs> because it, um, it also guides, you know, who one is going to be drawn to. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you have a secure attachment, you, you really have more of a choice of what kind of person you'd like to be drawn to. And a secure attached person doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, drawn to a securely attached other. They're, they're able to kind of, you know, see what it is that, 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 the, that, they, that, that enhances them. But an insecurely attached person, because their language is not of having been loved for who they are, but for um, having to get the other, having to regulate the other, mm -hmm. they're going to be drawn to somebody who really isn't so available. Because um, believe it or not, somebody who's available and attuned to them would very much feel unfamiliar because it's, they weren't loved for who they were. They were loved for, you know, how they could accommodate to the other. Absolutely. So a person with an insecure attachment is often going to be drawn to somebody who is less available. Mm -hmm. And if they are drawn to somebody who's more available, they usually will be too, it's usually too unfamiliar and uncomfortable to stay in that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, I... I wrote this book. I mean, and 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 I'm also somebody who I grew up really with an insecure attachment. It took me quite a long time to uh, you know find somebody who didn't resemble my past. And I've been married 25 years, and wow. you know I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. um, um, but the reason that I wrote the book is I want to help people understand that there is this um, um, attachment style. And um, there are ways of becoming aware of it. And then once aware, how to really walk in the opposite direction of, um, of what's familiar. It often means um, not also privileging chemistry, but privileging character over chemistry. Mm -hmm. Because chemistry can often feel like, oh, here's a moment where we ca I can repair. Or this is a language I really know. 
And um, hmm. this is hmm. such an important point. Sorry, I'm butting in no, again, no, Tom. Yeah, sorry, but this is such an important point. That it kind of excites me that you're saying that because that's something that um, I saw often here from clients who are dating, who are really, really want you know wanting to be in a long term relationship and. And struggling to find a partner and of course what they often say is well i meet a lot of guys i meet a lot of women um who uh who i you know who seem very nice nice is a term they often yeah. nice right but i really did not fancy them i really didn't yeah, fancy them so exactly what would you say to them i mean hmm. this is always an interesting question yeah yeah it is and you know um look i i, I uh, I'm not extreme in this. I think one needs some some kind of chemistry and some yeah. kind of attractiveness. But um, but I really try to be curious with my clients and friends who say this kind of thing, where they found somebody who's responding to their texts, who shows up when they're uh, when they have a date, who who's the same person week after week, mm-hmm. and that they feel this sense of blah. You know, and I I try to really help them focus on what that what that's like to be with that blah, and what they're expecting of another person. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what we tend to expect with an insecure attachment um, is something that is going to make everything whole, and is going to fulfill all one's sort of security needs. And that's just not what another person can do for us. Mm. And so it is less dramatic mm. to live in a healthy connection. Mm. But then, of course, if you're in that, there are so many th- ways to deepen that. And there are ways of working and communicating and, and growing. But, um, but you have to be able to live mm. uh, in that uncomfortable space. And you have to be able to mourn. Mm-hmm. That a relationship is not going to bring me, you know, I'm not going to redo my past. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, I have to live with what wasn't. I, I can't try to undo what, what, what wasn't. And, um, and if you stick around there for a while, you begin to uh, get the benefits of what a person who shows up, you mm-hmm. know, has. Mm, yeah and and I think that initial chemistry can be quite dangerous because that Mm. chemistry can be so intense when we are of um, maybe an anxious attachment style or avoidant and and and, and it becomes even intense more intense because we're the things we're attracted to are often those things that actually really are not going to be good for us in our relationship Mm. and yet sometimes with clients uh, I've seen this almost like drug use where there's these huge ups and downs because it gets trapped to people that, that are going to maybe be abusive even and, mm. and and they get stuck in this cycle and then suddenly get a good being with somebody who's secure mm. feels a bit dull mm. but then it's about yeah. framing and and finding how that actually that can be such a valuable thing in some ways too well, it doesn't have to just be dull but yeah yes. No, but it, but it certainly feels dull uh you know reflected against the that kind of intense chemistry where it is like a drug Mm. it's like oh this thing is going to you know um relieve me of all of that longing you know and i often i mean this is kind of an aside but i often think of um homer and odysseus and you know the sirens the song of the sirens Mm. and i tell the story that you know odysseus has his 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 uh sailors 
tie him to the mast of his boat. And he says, don't let me steer the boat in the direction of the sirens. Because, of course, the sirens are filled with, you know, sailors who have died from crashing into the rocks. And so I try say, listen, this is what it's going to be like to not respond to those sirens, to that chemistry. It's going to be like tying yourself to the mast until those sirens diminish. And we can, you know, we can go on and you come back to your, your conscious self. Um, mm-hmm. So I, it's, uh, I love that analogy. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of yeah. it's the sort of the lure, the seductiveness, isn't it? Oh, yeah. that draws us in. Yeah, and yeah. the things that the, the the people who sparkle the most. <laughs> yeah, but they might not necessarily. They might be exciting initially, but they don't necessarily stay around for long. For example, or they might, as you say, they might not offer us what we need. Yeah? Well, and some yeah. of the excitement comes from. Uh, things that that essentially are quite bad for us, I think, in terms of mm. putting us down, but making us want to be appreciated mm. more because yeah. this is ups yeah. and downs of love bombing or whatever you want yeah. to call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all the above. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I'm 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 wondering as well how in your work you see the how the early templates whether these early experiences really stay throughout our lives and your experience, because there's a lot of different thoughts about this, whether mm-hmm. later experiences reshape them. And I suppose lots of the early experiences are pre-verbal. So that before we put the narrative on, before we start to put the words, so it's almost yeah. in the body. So mm-hmm. some of these sort of experiences, I, maybe we, we don't even, we, we have to learn to integrate cognitively together with the actual felt experience when we're, very young. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's that's a hundred percent correct. Um, there, the, a lot of this, you know, language, this attachment language, which we learn is pre is preverbal, and is experiential, and you know, um, and deals with feelings and uh, that a, an infant and a child have that you know, uh, 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 intense feelings are before they're symbolized are these existential, I mean, they're very frightening unless they're responded to, you know? And, um, and so we do bring, you know, for an insecurely attached person, the things that we dread, the things we're avoiding are this sort of existential anxiety. And we do believe, unfortunately, that we don't anticipate if you have that kind of attachment style that it's going to be attractive to another person to bring those feelings out. You kind of already anticipate they're not lovable. Mm -hmm. And so you want to understand this because the opposite is really true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, and yet, you know, you have these qualities that you're not really able to potentialize because the need for immediate anxiety reduction doesn't allow somebody with an insecure attachment to sort of pick and choose, see what's best for them. It can happen. It can happen in the workplace when having to advocate for the self. The minute they they see that something in the other that is not uh, going to be positive, they 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 immediately sort of like you know back off. So it it doesn't give them a full chance to reach their full potential, and of course. The attachment styles has zero to do with the person's essence. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, it's it's got nothing to do with the value, really, of them as a person. 
But it has a lot to do, I think you're touching on an interesting point there as well. It has a lot to do with your faith and your trust in humanity, so to speak, as well, hasn't it? You have to, I suppose, if you have an insecure attachment style, you're much more likely to to lack that faith, to lack the belief that somebody can truly be there for you um, or that you, of course, that you're truly lovable, yeah? Um, Oh, with the secure or insecure? uh, Insecure, yeah. You lack that faith. Yeah, you lack the faith, and there's often sort of lack of hope as well, this sense of hopelessness, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. But I think think what's also important, I can come back to what you just said, Tom, it's um, I think one of the... uh, uh, positive and encouraging messages, of course, of um, attachment theory is that our attachment style is not set in stone, right? No, it's exactly. It's a template, uh, yes, yes, but we can review that. We can bring it into our awareness. We can review it, right? We can review it and we can have the courage to make choices. I, I like to call it the discomfort of healthy choices. Mm. So I do encourage myself and patients and clients and people to, you know, to try and, um, you know, and I'll, these can happen in everyday life. You know, we have um, cravings for food Mm. and we don't even kind of take a moment to think about a craving, you know, and if we bring some consciousness to a craving, we can begin to notice it. We can begin to think, hmm, what am I really feeling? And then we have a choice. Do I want to, you know, order that pepperoni pizza? Not that there's anything wrong with pepperoni, you know, or do I, um, or, or, or am I replacing, or am I using that at the moment for some other need? And so with patients and friends, I try to help them, you know, move in sort of the, sometimes the opposite direction to pursue someone they might not feel that chemistry with mm-hmm. to um, to try and, um, you know, do things that are healthy for them mm-hmm. uh, often. Um, and, and these are very basic things, but f- an insecurely attached person is taught not to focus on the self, mm-hmm. to focus on the other. Mm-hmm. So exercise, mm-hmm. um, eating differently, sleeping differently, you know, sleeping habits and inviting these uncomfortable emotions that are healthy. And the minute you get into that kind of pattern where you are curious about the feelings that come up when you're doing something that's uncomfortable but healthy, it begins a process of changing the neuroplasticity in the mind, of allowing for experiences to see that they can turn out well. And um, it just, it just needs to start. A person needs to um, change the direction a little bit Mm. and a little goes a long way. Mm. And, and some of these, uh, some of the things you mentioned, like for example, exercise and sort of uh, sleeping, is this more sort of uncomfortable because they're self care as opposed to, constantly put in focus on somebody else. It, it, exactly. So, wow. you know, um, you know, people who give out all day and who are kind of uh, preoccupied with having to take care of others, at the end of the night, there's an emptiness. Mm. And they often turn the TV on or, or, you know, just go through TikTok or whatever as a way of looking for some kind of, um, you know, um, um, 
nourishment. And of course, they stay up late and then they feel worse. And so by making a healthy, a caring, self-caring choice to put away electronics, to pick up a book, to go to bed, they're going to feel deprived. Mm. But it's those <clears throat> feelings of deprivation that you want to invite and be curious about and um, be good to. And you'll see if you can get a good night's sleep and you're able to not kind of um, you, you can sort of overcome your addiction to staying up late and just looking for something to feed you, you will feel better. Same thing with exercise, same things with consciousness around, you know, cravings and five minutes of meditation a day, just five minutes of sitting with the self, allowing feelings to come and go. Mm. you know, is incredibly mm. helpful in being able to notice oneself and notice what's going on in one's body and in one's mind. Mm. And I, I'm wondering as well, with, with all the prevalence of social media, with a society where pretty much when we want something, we get it. I mean, I was thinking even, I remember I, I used to when I was a kid, there were only five channels on television. You used to really look forward to that one time in the year you could see this film, whereas now it's readily available. So there's so many easy ways to try and feed yourself, but in that very superficial way, which must must sometimes make this even more challenging. Yeah, I mean the do you know the the the, I mean it gets a little bit like crack, right? Like it's <laughs> it's you're looking for something, and there's so many options. Mm. that the brain will start, you know, really wanting some kind of specific feeling. Mm. And it's quite elusive. It's really still, one's still in that repetitive longing, you know, mm. and longing is a very familiar state for a, for a kind of insecure attachment. Mm. It's because it's, 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 it's that state that is, that unfortunately feels like home mm -hmm. because, you know, you didn't get and you, if you could just get it right, then maybe you could get it. Yes. And yeah, and the tricky bit with longing is also that it then uh, somebody who longs often starts to idealize yeah, and, and yeah. tries to create uh, an image of another person. Um, yeah. and, you know, they might be, they might be this person who can offer me everything, but they start to sometimes also put, you know, project onto the other person. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah is, I mean, you know, who can, I mean, they become this big and the person becomes this, you know, it's a, it's sort of like the child parent hope, right? The, the other has the thing I need. And the truth is, you know, if you can be and live in a more healthy regulating relationship, the other really does have what you need, just in a very different way. That's such an important. That's such a. That's such a good point, really, isn't it? Not in that kind of Hollywood way, right? No, not in the Hollywood way. This is the distortion, isn't it? This is the distortion yeah. that we're also familiar with. I mean, it's not just Hollywood. It's fairy tales, as we've all yes. heard about princes and princesses, right? Yeah. Um, so there is this slightly distorted view, I suppose, that most people would carry around to some extent of this. Um, redeeming <clears throat> this redeeming person who comes along and and offers everything yeah that's the fact that's the fantasy isn't it that's the fantasy mm. and you know we have to live you know person has to be able to live with the good and the bad they have to be able to integrate mm. 
that both exist. And, mm. you know, of course, nothing is going to, 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 to make up for, mm. for, you know, no one is everything. I yeah. know that sounds, it sounds obvious, but not, but mm. not if we're longing, not yeah. if we're, you know, if we've been longing and searching and giving up things and waiting and that, and that unfortunately, so I don't, I really like to help my patients and I, I did this when I was younger. I would stay in relationships much longer than I should have. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be drawn to good people, but not people that were really right for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it took a while, but uh, I got there. Well, you got there. And I think I'm also curious uh, here, Mark, you know, in terms of what, what advice would you give Uh, to one of our listeners who's might be tuning in right now, who is looking for a partner, um, what should they be looking for? Who should they be looking for? How well, would they know? How would they know that they've got they found somebody who's good for them? Yeah. Well, you know, once you once you um, are disciplined more in taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. once you um, feed yourself well. And 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 I, I, this is going to sound very simple. And exercise and care for yourself. You are naturally not going to look for someone who doesn't care about you. Mm-hmm. It's it starts with the self, mm-hmm. and it's it's sort of um, uh, it, it, it it may be karma or kismet or just the natural physics of how things work. If you care about yourself your expectation of what another is going to provide for you mm-hmm. is going to change. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be drawn to people and appreciate and a character over chemistry. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see that somebody with character who's able to be there for you and be there for themselves has a, a value that you wouldn't have been able to appreciate mm-hmm. uh, when you're not caring or showing good character towards yourself. And it means, you know, detoxing from, you know, habits mm. that are, um, um, you know, self-destructive. Mm. And, and, they're, and they're habits in the hopes of helping the self, but they can often be, but they're not, but they're often self-destructive. Mm. You know, again, a, a person with an insecure attachment, they're looking to, 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 it's hard for them to delay instant gratification for long-term satisfaction because that security exists outside of them. Mm-hmm. And so that's the goal. And once that's not the goal, then you can look around yes, and say, oh, I see you. You're not good for me. Yeah, such yeah. A, what a great summary. Yeah, yeah. and that and, and that, that self-care is so, so important and so often gets... Mm conflated with the belief that if you look after yourself, you're being selfish. This is what I found with so many people I've worked yes. with. And then separating that actually, you know, we looking after ourselves, mm. we need to do that if, if we want to be there for other people anyway. And it's, it's, it's finding ways to separate that, yeah. that sort of conflated belief. Also, how would you know what you need if you don't mm. know yourself? Yeah. How would yeah. you know what you need to look for? Yes, exactly. How would you know that uh, the other person is meeting your needs and is giving you what you what you you know what's good for you? Mm. You know, is giving you the right food to stay with that the right, right. to stay with that analogy. Yeah, right. That's such that's, a that's, uh, that's 
that's part of the learning process because you don't necessarily know what you need because mm. what you need has not really been privileged mm. in, in childhood. And so it's learning about that as well. It just has to start with the self, mm. you know, and being able to be good to the self. And, you know, therapy is helpful with that. Mm. And um, I mean, one of the good things about social media where, you know, I mean, when I started writing this book, attachment theory was a kind of an unknown profession. It was really known more in the profession. Mm. And, you know, mental health has come into the foreground mm. and uh, because so much suffering since COVID and everything. And so there's much more available. It's very easy to just kind of find something to read or to find a, a, a podcast like yours. And I, I, I do want to say, I said this before we started, listening to your podcast, I think it is an extremely helpful podcast, mm -hmm. educational. It's not fluff. It's the real thing. And, um, you know, it's really, I appreciate that as a, mm -hmm. as a, as a psycho, a psychotherapist where I can have a patient say, Hey, listen, why don't you listen, you know, uh, to this, to the relationship maze. I think you'll get something out of it. Aww. It's, it's a, it's so, so thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you for thank saying you very that. Much. That's really and, touching for us. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything we haven't asked you that you'd like to say before we come to the end of the podcast? Um, you, uh, the only thing is that I know when I, I sort of, it sounds gloomy for an insecure attached person. I, I don't, and I don't want it to sound that way because, um, um, you know, uh, there's, there's so much, people with insecure attachment often feel bad about themselves because they're not able to kind of delay this instant gratification. And I just want to say that, you know, there's some of the best people I've ever worked with mm. and, to, and there's nothing better than, you know, um, helping them become who they are and contribute to the world. And they have this sense of empathy Mm. which we all, you know, which is already so cultivated and which is something that the world certainly needs more of. So mm. yeah. and that's the only sort of thing I, I wanted to, to no, say. No, absolutely. So it's a message of hope, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Which, I, which I love because that's always there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Always, we all have these transformative qualities, right? We can all yes. learn about changing ourselves. We've got that yeah. power. Yeah. Hmm. And and how could people get in touch for you? Or is there anything else you'd like to let people know about you before we finish today? Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't. I, I mean, I have a, um, uh, an Instagram reset your romantic GPS. I have an email, you know, uh, Mark Scholes, uh, M Scholes NY at, at, at gmail.com, which I'm fine. And um, mm -hmm. um and I have a book that's on Amazon and, you know, it has my, so any, anyway, um, um, I have a website as well. It's easy to find. So we include the, the links in the show notes as well. Yeah. So yeah. And I'm helping to help people refer people, you know, and, and, and educate them and, and speak with them. So it's any, any of that is fine. Great. And, and thank you so much for being here today. It's been really wonderful speaking with you. I've really, really yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yes, really I, I, I definitely love yeah. to bring you back at some point, Mark. That'd yeah. be great to have another conversation. So nice. Thank you very much. You're very easy to speak to, which is very nice. I appreciate yeah, that. For hours, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Take good care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 